This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, as uh, Otani watch continues here in Kanakistan, we soldier on with some hockey talk. Welcome to the Jeff Merrick Show for this uh, Thursday, December the 7th. Glad to be aboard. Just heads up, at any time, we could, we could uh, preempt this program with an Otani signing. Whether it's the Toronto Blue Jays, whether it's the Los Angeles Dodgers, whether it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. No, just kidding, of course. Uh, if it happens, we'll break into uh, Otani coverage the moment that we get some official news. Meanwhile, uh, coming up on today's program, Elliot Friedman stops by here in a couple of moments. Uh, we'll talk to him about the, uh, the latest goings-on around the NHL, most specifically the interest in defensemen all over the NHL, whether it's um, Philip Broberg, whether it's Chris Tanev, whether it's Sean Walker. Um, take your pick. There's no shortage of uh, defensemen uh, making headlines these days. Also making headlines tonight, Patrick Kane will make his debut as a Detroit Red Wing as the Red Wings face off against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, very much looking forward to that one. 13 games on the go around the NHL including the Battle of Ontario. And speaking of defensemen, Thomas Shabbat will not play for the Senators this evening. Uh, A couple of things about last night. Uh, Holy smokes, did you watch that Edmonton-Carolina game? Holy smokes, did you watch the first 41 seconds of that game where the... uh where the uh, the Edmonton Oilers scored two goals in under a minute. So Ryan McLeod, uh, Warren Fogel picking Slavin's pocket as well. 41-second mark, Matthias Ekholm scores. Pyotr Kachetkov gets chased. Zach Hyman with the hat trick. Connor McDavid with three assists. Rod Brindamore saying on the bench, it feels like we're going to get beaten 50 to nothing. That was a statement game by the Edmonton Oilers. And that was reminiscent of the 80s Oilers that came out of the gates fast and came out of the gates scoring. That was a remarkable, absolutely remarkable effort by the Oilers last night as they continue their ascent. We know there are zero margins of error for the uh, Edmonton Oilers, uh, beating the Carolina Hurricanes 6-1. to one. Uh, You know that Rod Brindamore was not thrilled about that one. That's why I worry for the Calgary Flames tonight. Uh, back-to-back here for the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. They'll face off against the Flames. Um, Dallas Stars-Florida Panthers game last night. What is it with third-period comebacks? What is it with third-period? Like, this this season has been all about the third-period and the chaos. I'm here for it. I suspect you're here for it as well. Uh, Evan Rodriguez with four points, two and two last night. Dallas has now lost three of their last four, although made it a go yesterday. And did you not get the feeling that if that game went an extra, mm, I don't know, five minutes we're probably going into overtime. Uh, in the meantime, coming up bottom of the hour, Jana Hefford from the PWHL. Also, Claude Julian stops by hour two, former NHL head coach, and Luke Fox gets us caught up on everything in Leafland from Sportsnet.ca. Meantime, Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. How are you? I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing? Uh, good. Real busy. Um, it's a really newsy yeah. time right now, and Thirty Two yeah. Thoughts. Uh, the latest blog at Sportsnet.ca has, uh, like every week, a couple of a couple of interesting nuggets and some speculation, and we'll see what we can sort of push forward here uh, on a couple of them. Now, I'm going to talk to Luke Fox an hour or two about the Maple Leaf situation and Brad Tree Living and and what he could be looking for. John Klingberg will miss the season, uh, hip surgery, so the 4.15 goes on LTIR for the remainder of the season as Brad Tree Living goes shopping. We already know about Zadorov; that's a, a Vancouver play. Uh, we yeah. wonder about Tanev. Who else do you wonder about with the Toronto Maple Leafs? I want 
want to sort of try to lead you to a couple of names here. But first blush, who are you thinking about with Toronto? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about preferably right-hand shots with a bit of snot, as, as Tree Living has said before. And I think, I don't yeah. think they're, in, like, Tanev, I think, is a unique case because I don't think they're really into rentals at a higher price. Um, but I think he would be different because I think they would believe that they could sign him. So I, I, I do think that's a little bit of a different uh, situation there with him. Um, you know, I've had a couple of people ask me, uh, you know, like someone like Noah Hannafin. I, I just don't know. Like, I think that's a high price as a rental and what he's going to command on the open market. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to mm. do that. So, you know, that's that's another one uh, there. Now, I wrote about Rasmus Ristolainen today. I did get some pushback yep. on that, and I got some other people saying they they think that Toronto at least went to go look at him. So I'll, I'll see how that one plays out. I, I did have someone say to me they don't believe it's going to be him. But, um, mm. you know, I, I think Toronto has been around Philly looking at some of their situations, and I'm not convinced that it's going to be Sean Walker for them because I think they're looking for someone with a bit more snarl. So, I mean, basically I'm just going around now and trying to figure out who might their people be. And uh, it's not always easy to uh, – basically you're going up and down the rosters and trying to figure out, all right, uh, mm. what are we looking at here? Let me throw a name your way, and I know sure. the team is getting calls on him, but I don't think that anything is, I don't think anything we should be describing as Im- imminent. But let me throw a name your way. Nick Sealer with the Philadelphia Flyers. He's well, uh, you know, I, I free think agent he, at the end I of the season. I think that's another one. Yep, I do. Like I said, I think the Leafs have been looking at Philly. Um, uh, yeah. I think they've been checking out. Nick Sealer is another one there. Like the thing about Philadelphia is it's going really well for them right now, right? So why why oh, yeah. would you want to change anything? So I think that's part of it. Like, you know, don't forget, like, you know, Philly's run by guys like Danny Briere and, and Keith Jones. Like they understand what that does to a dressing room, you know, when things are going really well. So there's there's no pressure on them to do anything uh at this point in time. Mm. So um but I think you know, Steeler is a guy that got some rub last year, and Philly really likes him. You know, Philly's going to have some decisions yep. to make. You know, do they, and Walker's had a really good year. Do they want to keep him? Steeler's been a really nice fit there. Um, do they want to keep him? Um, uh, so I, I think Philly's going to have to decide, you know, kind of what they, they want to do. I mean, the other thing, too, with the Leafs that I should, and someone did point this out to me this morning, is if you're talking anyone with term, the Leafs might want retention. So um, right. even for this year, they're going to want retention. So, you know, we talked about how that whole Calgary trade where they were looking to do, uh, where they asked about both Zadorov and Tanev, what was the issue? It was retention. And what was the cost that they were going to have to pay for Calgary to do that? Right. It's, the same, it's going to be the same thing in any other deal they make here is, what's the cost of retention in addition to the cost of the players. But I think Steelers is a great name. I'm just not convinced that, that Philly is going to, like I said, Philly's in no rush and they probably have to make their own decisions first. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think Philly would be in the driver's seat here just for why, what you mentioned. Like, things are going great with the Philadelphia Flyers. If you're Daniel Briere, you know, do you listen to, to offers for, for Walker and for Sealer? Absolutely. But there's no rush. And you can name your price. And if your price isn't hit, well, that's fine because the Philadelphia Flyers um, are playing some good hockey right now. So there's no pressure to do that. You know, mm-hmm. one of the teams that I wonder about, as, as we're sticking on the, this conversation about defensemen, and we'll, we'll talk more about this on the, on the podcast that'll come out tomorrow morning. I wonder about the New Jersey Devils with the Dougie Hamilton injury here. Yeah. Like, we've talked a lot about Toronto and, and what they're interested in. Uh, Vancouver obviously made the play for Zadorov. We know that Calgary has some defensemen that uh, are probably available here. I, I do wonder, you know, at, at what point, because New Jersey has a window here. I yeah. wonder at what point Tom Fitzgerald really starts to get aggressive and says, you know what, we're down Dougie Hamilton. He may miss the entire season. We don't know. Um, I, I do wonder if New Jersey starts to get into this mix here for some of the established guys, maybe one of the guys from Calgary. Well, I, I think the other thing too, like there's a, like Tyson Berry's out there now. Um, like Tyson Berry and Dougie Hamilton are not the same. Uh, uh, but yeah. if you're looking for somebody who can get points for you, Barry can do that. Um, you know, there's also Tony D'Angelo has been out there. Um, and, and now, and now this player also in Hamilton are not the same, but we should mention Ethan Bear just because now teams yep. have given permission to come watch him skate. So I, I think, you know, he's a free player, right? It just costs you the money, the contract. So I think Bear mm-hmm. is going to go out. I, I think teams are going to go watch him skate and they're going to make their decisions there. And, you know, um, you know, I think Vancouver has interest in Bear. Um, I think he has interest in them, but from what I'm hearing, there's other teams who can do more than what Vancouver can do financially. So I think that, like, like I think Bear, like Bear's decision probably comes down to, okay, um, uh, like I could see Vancouver saying, look, we need to get you in here, and then we'll f- figure everything out on July 1st for next year. And I think there's going to be some teams who are going to look at Vancouver's cap situation. They're going to say, this is what they can do. Well, now here's what we can do. And uh, it's going to make it a, a challenge for them, and we'll see what happens. But, uh, like, I agree with you. I think the Devils are going to be looking because they, you know, they need to stabilize this year, and, and Hamilton's a big loss. They probably just have to figure out what the timeline is because he's got a big number, right? Yeah. So. You have to deal with oh, that yeah. when he comes off LTI, if, if he comes off LTIR. But, you know, I, I have wondered about if they're looking for a pure point for a point getter, there's like a Barry or, or a D'Angelo out there if you want to do something like that. Uh, let me ask you about one more defenseman. Um, Philip Broberg, uh, Edmonton yeah. Oilers prospect in the lineup, out of the lineup. What is the story with Broberg? Uh, the story with Broberg is, look, every, whether or not he's been given permission to uh, talk to other teams, and you know, Ken Holland said that isn't the case, I think teams know he's available. Um, I, 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 you know, Edmonton, you know, Edmonton was going to face some roster pressure this week if they would have called Campbell back up, but you know, because he had that rough game on Saturday night, they didn't. I think the other thing that yeah. Broberg has talked about here is if he's not going to play, then 
you know, he'd rather go back to the American Hockey League to play um, because he's going to get a lot of minutes there. So I think Edmonton's sorting that out, NHL, AHL, what they're, what they're going to do here. You know, one of the things that Ken Holland has shown during his time in Edmonton is when things are going badly, he tends to try to calm the waters rather than do something, right? Like he's, he's very careful about the trades he's made. Like last year when he liked how good they were, he, he traded the picks for Ekholm. But if you look at a lot of his history when he's been there, he tends not to do too much when things are really bad. And so, you know, I think he'll look for Broberg out there, but I don't think he's going to be necessarily rushed into anything. Um, okay, I want to get your thoughts on the Edmonton-Carolina game from last night here in a couple of seconds, and we'll talk about Patrick Kane makes his debut with the Red Wings coming up uh, later on this evening against the Sharks. Uh, should probably talk about the Vancouver Canucks and Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, Vancouver tonight uh, in action against the Minnesota Wild, who just can't lose a game now. Uh, it's a complete reverse yeah. since John Hines took over. Um, but haven't had a chance to talk to you since you came back from Seattle and the Board of Governors. Just as a as a final thought, put a ribbon on this one. Did anything grab your attention more than anything else that you heard coming out of the BOG? By the way, I just checked, Jeff, that Broberg is not on AHL transactions yet, so nothing yet. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, I mean, obviously the sphere thing is big. Um it's uh, it, 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 it's a really big deal. Um, you know, I, I think you know sometimes you know there's there's things in life that are, are substance over style, and there's other things that are style over substance. This is probably style over substance, but it's a it's a huge deal. Um, you know, I, I think that you know if you saw once the news kind of got out the other day, how viral it was. Like people get excited for this stuff. And it's expensive. Yeah. It was probably more than they wanted to pay, but you know, sometimes you have to spend money to make money, or and or, or to do things that get you some positive uh, notoriety. And you know, this is certainly one of them. I mean, it's the last centralized draft, at least for the foreseeable future. And you know, I hope I get to go because a, I love Vegas, and b, I'm really curious to see about the sphere. Um, you know, I mean, the cap going up is is obviously a, a good thing. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not. I know some people are really worried about, you know, what they said about the construction of the hockey rink in Milan, and and you know, somebody was saying to me this morning, there's some well earned paranoia here. I mean, it's been 2000 since 2014 that the players were at the Olympics, and you know, people start to think, okay. Are they going to do anything they can never to go again? I, I don't worry about construction stuff because, as I wrote today, Jeff, I've heard it all before. The Olympics I worked for CBC, yeah. there always seem to be questions about are the venues going to get done on time? And they do. Um, it might not be perfect, but they do. And, you know, I'll say the other thing, too, is that just behind the scenes, I heard that, you know, Batman made it clear that the it's important to the players, and the, the, whatever research they've done with their fans has indicated it's important to the fans too. And you know, the other thing is, mm-hmm. you know, right now they want like people were asking me, are they going to do an in-season tournament because this NBA one is starting to ge- generate some positive momentum? It's very clear to me that if they're going to do anything outside the regular schedule it's going to be international play because they, they want to create a world cup and they, and the players really want it back.
You know, it's funny. About a month and a half ago, I had a conversation with someone in the NHL, and I asked about an in-season tournament. And the response I got back was, the only people that talk about an in-season tournament are you guys. That's it. It's just the media that talks about this. He said, I can assure you we have not had conversations about this. Like, this isn't something that dominates the uh, the conversation in the hallways. You know, that's probably true, Jeff, but... Like, the reason I look at it is, like, and, and to be honest, like, when the NBA did their thing, I was very skeptical, too. Um, you know, I, I mean, to me, the, the courts, like, I have no problem with what they're trying to do with the courts in terms of a conceptual idea. I generally don't like the mm. look at them of them, but I like the idea that they're willing to try something different. I think, to me, you know, like, I wasn't really into it, but when I was in Seattle, I happened to watch the one game between Indiana and New York. And you could tell, like, the mm-hmm. Indiana fans, they were really into it, and the Indiana players were really into it. And, you know, there's a significant amount of money at stake. But, you know, someone made a good point to me that if you do the economics of the NBA and the amount of players who, who get paid, uh, and the amount of players in the NHL that would have to get paid the farther you go, like the, the money would have to yeah. be extremely significant. So there's that problem. The other thing too is, and I didn't realize this until I read about it yesterday, and I, I can't remember where I saw it. So to credit them, but the Indiana, the, sorry, the New York Knicks now, because of the way this tournament went for them, they, they're playing 40 home games this year instead of 42. Um, because they played Milwaukee on the road in the quarterfinal round. So they lost a home game this year because of it. Because one of the things that they did was you've got to keep you at 82 games. Now, the two teams that make the final, I think, are playing 83, but everybody else gets held to their regular 82. So due to a quirk in the way this all worked, and the fact the Knicks uh, had to play on the road in the quarterfinals, they, they lose a home game this year. Now, can you imagine, yeah. in a, in a, especially in a gate-driven league like the NHL, say a team like the Rangers no. or the Leafs or the Canadians, they lose a home game because no. of the schedule. Like, that's, that's not going to work here. So, But, you know, the thing is, Jeff, too, is one of the reasons they did this tournament was because they're trying to get, uh, like, sell it as a TV property. Like, what happens if, say, you know, Netflix pays a good amount of money just to just to air the uh, the uh, in-season tournament games, then you've got something. And and that, to me, is the real question about... It's, it's not only about the games themselves, is does this become a valuable property that you can sell? And we don't have the answer to that yet. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you this, if they sell it and for a, a valuable number, then people are going to start yeah. talking about it. Okay, more on this one uh, coming up on the podcast that we'll record a little bit later on today. Meantime, uh, in the time that we have left here with you, um, the debut of Patrick Kane tonight, uh, playing on a yeah. line with Joe Valeno and Alex DeBrinkett. Um Patrick Kane, his first time in a Detroit Red Wings uh, uniform, so watching TV tonight might be a little bit jarring for some or watching on your tablet or wherever you watch hockey yeah. games. Just a, a thought or maybe an expectation on what you're looking for tonight out of Patrick Kane. Um, I, I, I expect one brilliant play that has everybody drooling about what this could look like. Um, you know, I don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. It's his first game in 
I don't know, the last game was in what, in April? And we're now in December, so it's his first game in eight months. Um, what's it going to be like? I expect some rustiness. Um, yeah. uh, I, I expect that uh, he's going to have one or two plays that just wow us and unlock the possibilities. Yeah. I saw Derek Lalone this morning said they're going to try to ease him in. We'll see if he gets to 16, 17 minutes. Um, but I think they're going to try to ease him in. I'm curious to see, you know, how the power play looks. Uh, I'm with you, Jeff. I think it's going to look really weird to see him uh, in that uniform. <laughs> very, very weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm, you know, I, I think, like, I think everybody's eager to see this. What does this look like? You know, how does how does this guy fit in in, in Detroit? I think we're all going to be. Very, very curious about that. A couple more that I want to mention for uh, for tonight. Um, Los Angeles Kings and the Montreal Canadiens, there's a record at stake here with the uh, longest winning streak on the road to kick off the season. Right now, the Los Angeles Kings uh, tied with the Buffalo Sabres from 2006 uh, with 10. They can break that tonight. A, qu- a quick thought on the on the LA Kings, and I want to uh, get a couple more thoughts specifically on uh, on the Calgary Flames. But your thoughts on this one tonight and the LA Kings. Well, I mean, the Kings looked fantastic, right? They were down. They, they should have lost oh, yeah. the other night. They were down and out, and and they, and they won the game in Columbus. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's hard not to like them. Uh, uh, you just, I guess, you just worry about them peaking uh, too early. You know, life is about roles, and everybody on that team understands their role. Uh, there's 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 not much to be critical of them for, and. And things are going really well. And if you believe this league is one down the middle, they're as good as anybody. Absolutely. Uh, okay, Carolina and Calgary. Listen, Carolina just got waxed last night by the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. Like, that was just turn on the faucet, and then it didn't turn off until the end. Uh, Ryan McLeod scores 27 seconds in. They score two goals in a minute, and then the, the floodgates are open, and they don't stop. Zach Hyman, who, by the way, I think has been – as far as consistency goes, probably Edmonton's best player from the beginning, even during all the losing, Hyman was still there. He gets a hat trick last night. McDavid with three assists. Hyman has 11 goals in his last 10 games. Just a quick thought on what we saw with Edmonton and, and Carolina. And then if you're the Calgary Flames tonight, you know, knowing how Rod Brindamore is going to have this team fired up after getting embarrassed last night uh, in Edmonton. Kind of hate to be the Calgary Flames this evening, but uh, initially, your thoughts on what we saw yesterday in Edmonton? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this: that um, you know, I'll say this. Um, McDavid clearly was not healthy. Like, there's there, there's oh, only yeah. one there's there's only one way to look at this. McDavid was not healthy, and Eckholm was not healthy. And it kind of dragged their whole team down with them. Like, you need 23 players to win. Um, you know, Jacques Martin had that press conference yesterday where he talked about how Mike Sullivan said, you need some elite players to win, but it's got to be team above everything. Like, that to me mm-hmm. is the reminder of the great players to win. You know, they, uh, McDavid and, and, and McDavid and Eckholm are clearly two of their most important players, duh. And they were not themselves, and the Oilers really suffered. Now you see McDavid's really going, and they're really going. Um, they made a good team look really bad last night. 
really bad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I I just think that you know now like you can see it like when he's when he's when he's himself, the whole team just lifts, and you know it's just a reminder that he almost single-handedly can get them out of trouble in almost every situation. And when you lose that, I don't know that crutch is the right word, but I'll just use it. Um, when, you, when, mm-hmm. you, when you lose the crutch of McDavid getting you out of trouble, you know, they clearly are not the same team. Um, you, know, you know, Carolina, like they, they've got the wor- some of the worst goaltending in the league. Like, look, Jeff, we talked about this before. Yeah. You know, two of the teams with the worst goal save below expected were Edmonton, coaching change, Minnesota, yeah. coaching change. Now, Carolina is not having a coaching change, uh, even though we thought they were going to lose 15 nothing last night. Uh, they're not having a coaching change, but I think they're going to have to look at something here. You know, like Anderson, you know, like obviously nobody knows what the situation is here, but there is the possibility he won't be back this season. And it's it's sort of like what you said with Hamilton before, you kind of have to determine the timeline to figure out what you can do. But, you know, I I think with Anderson, it's probably similar, but like it won't be a surprise if he doesn't play this year. So at some point in time, Carolina is going to have to, address this. They're going to have to decide, can we ride this out or do we have to go get something else? Because they're simply not getting saves. I mean, the other thing that's happening there too is that some of their really standard defensive pairs that have been really good, like Slavin Burns is one, and I think Shea Pesci is the other, um, they're getting caved in, like really caved in. And that's something that we haven't seen too often from the hurricane. So you wonder, is that a short-term one-off kind of thing, or is that a bigger problem they have to address? Um, and we'll see what happens tonight. Tonight it's the Calgary Flames and the Carolina Hurricanes. I have a quick thought on, on Calgary here. Like I know we're mainly looking at Calgary and saying, okay, who's leaving? Like What can they get for Tanev? What are they going to get from, I don't know, pick your team, Arizona or whomever for, for Noah Hannafin? Um, but at the end of all of it, is this a team that, still, that you think still has designs on a playoff spot? Yeah, I do. I, I think they're going to try to play it out as as long as they can. I mean, you know, the thing about the Flames is they've weathered a lot of stuff this year. And they're, you know, they're, they're still in it. Like, they've had uh, a, a bit of a tough week, and now Markstrom got hurt, so we'll see how this kind of all plays out with uh, Vladar and Wolf uh, in goal. But, you know, generally I think the team has done a really good job of holding its head uh, above water in, in a lot of really tough situations. Now they've lost a bit of ground this week, and um, on points percentage now they've 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 fallen a bit. Like they're behind Arizona, they're behind St. Louis, they're behind Nashville, and now Minnesota has even cropped up uh, ahead of them with a yeah. couple games in hand. But like I think Calgary has proven that they've been resilient, and I think it's premature to count them out at this point in time. 
Uh, last one real quick. Uh, Vancouver tonight faces off against those Minnesota Wild that you just mentioned a couple of seconds ago. Minnesota's won four in a row, and they can't seem to lose under John Hines. Um, and in Vancouver, I mean, we're just coming off of the Hughes Bowl, and tonight it's against Minnesota, and I think a lot of headlines revolving around Andre Kuzmenko and Rick Tockett. You know, in that third period, it was only a couple of shifts for Kuzmenko. You know, afterwards, Tockett essentially said, I'm getting sick about talking about this, and then went on to say, uh, he has to forecheck, let's start there. Where's this one headed, Fridge? Um, I, I think that, um, I, I don't know. Like, like, the one thing about this is that if you look at Tockett, he he doesn't necess- he doesn't give up on players too easily, but he will mm-hmm. make it very clear that you have to do it his way. Like he really loved Dakota Joshua, and he called out Dakota yeah. Joshua this year. Like like you know like like the way like the way it is with Tockett is he, he expects to play a certain way. Like he, he's very, I, I think he would be very easy to play for in the sense that he, he he tells you what the expectations are, and if you stick to the expectations, there's there's not a problem. But if you lose the expectations, it suddenly becomes a problem. And I, I think that's the situation with talking here. Like Kuzmenko's, there's a way he wants Kuzmenko to play, and if he's going to go away from that, then there's going to be a problem. And, you know, I, I, I just think that, you know, because it's Vancouver, everything get, is under a microscope, so it becomes a bigger deal. But you just have to wade your way through it. Like, I, you know, Vancouver was mm-hmm. the team that gave Kuzmenko a chance. He, he wanted to play there. Um, they, they, I just don't see, like, Vancouver just throwing this guy out because he's having some rough weeks here. Now, I think if it doesn't get better then we're going to have a problem. But I just, you know, I just don't think you take a guy with this kind of talent who had a year last, good year last year and throw him away. But, you know, he's got to get back into Tockett's good books and he's got to play the way that Tockett wants him to play because he's the boss and it's going well for them right now. If it wasn't going well for the coach, Jeff, we might have another problem, but it's going very well for him. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, all these things, plus the Ottawa situation uh, with Jacques Martin coming in yesterday as a senior advisor uh, to the coaching staff, all this in greater depth on the podcast that Elliot and I will do later on today, which we'll see a release tomorrow morning. Okay, enjoy your afternoon, Fridge. I'll talk to you in a couple hours. Hi, everybody. Take care.